ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. Thank you so much for tuning in. On today's episode, we're joined by Misha Zarens, who dropped by just to kind of have an open-ended conversation. We talked about some movies that we've seen, talked about uh, the new Dave Chappelle stand-up, talked about the new Tool album that we both are, are so much in love with, uh, and just really had a, a good time. Before we get to Misha, though, I did have a couple of thoughts I wanted to share uh, on my own. Uh, something that I was just talking to another friend about today that's that's a constant thing that keeps coming up. Um, it, some, sometimes uh, a couple of my friends refer to this as, as hints, uh, and it's it's really just kind of where you kind of see the same idea being presented over and over again in, in a variety of ways. And so to say what I mean by that is I have this constant, the thing that keeps popping up for me is this idea that I guess life you could say, but, you know, certainly different experiences. And I guess it probably does just apply to life in general. <laughs> maybe maybe it applies best actually to life as a whole is uh, the idea that it's about the journey, not the destination. Um, and that, you know, the destination might be the, the thing that actually propels you, i.e. like a goal or something, right, that propels you to take whatever journey you're going to go on. But ultimately, the reward that one finds actually is, is kind of in the journey of getting there more so than it is in, in achieving whatever that final thing is. Um, and, you know, that's why I say, I guess with life, <laughs> you know, ultimately we're all going to be gone. Right. And, and so that's certainly, once you get there, it's not fun anymore. So it was certainly more about the journey than, than the destination. Um, but it applies to, to a lot of other things as well. Um, and it's just, you know, I saw it, I, I've seen it in, in talking, uh, with with some different friends, I went to this conference this weekend for a video game company, actually. But but the this video game studio actually recorded a live podcast while we were there at the conference, and that was kind of one of the things they talked about as well um, during their podcast was just kind of the idea of uh, the journey versus the destination, and how that's actually the thing that that really is the the significant thing, even though sometimes it's easy to overlook that. There's a, a Tool song called Parabola that's, uh, yet again, one of my favorites because all of the Tool songs are, are one of my favorites. Um, but there's a line that I wanted to share from it, and that is, This body holding me reminds me of my own mortality. Embrace this moment and remember, we are eternal. All this pain is an illusion. Now, you know, certainly that that could maybe is a bit more spiritual than I'm even trying to talk, you know, in the context of. Um, but the point just being that, you know, it, it's all, it's all temporary and it's all just going by, you know, <laughs> a second, a minute, an hour, a day, you know, a month, a year, whatever at a time and, um, and try and, and stay, you know, stay in the moment as often as you can and appreciate the moments that you have because they're fleeting and, and some moments and some experiences you have, you only have once, uh, after the conference we went to, we went to dinner and, and to be clear that the conference we went to is shenanicon is the name of it and the, the video game company is butterscotch shenanigans it's actually ran by three brothers that are based out of uh st louis highly recommend checking out their games if you're a gamer and honestly their podcast is pretty interesting because uh, they don't just talk about gaming they also just kind of talk about life and, and things that they're learning and experiencing and, and that sort of thing but anyway after the conference we went out to dinner and with one of the the brothers uh we were talking and at the table and he was explaining how he ha has this in college when he met his eventually you know future wife um she had a lot different a lot more exotic taste in food than he did 
you know, he grew up in Iowa and, uh, you know, said that (laughs) salt was almost treated like a spice and talked about how upon meeting his wife, he he decided that he was just going to try the thing that he found the most bizarre on, on whatever restaurant menu they, they were at. And, and in doing that, he really developed this kind of complex palate, I guess you could say. And, and just this, this enjoyment of, of such a wide variety of foods. And then that also extends to different drinks and stuff as well. But, but he talked about how, or he was talking about how he, uh, how he recognizes at a lot of these, these moments where he's having these different foods, or these different drinks that like, it might be the only time he ever has it. And so even if it's not like his favorite thing that he's ever had, if it's something that's unique and interesting, uh, you know, it's not making him sick or, or anything like that. Uh, he really just tries to appreciate the fact that, you know, this might be the only time in his entire life that he tries that. And so just to kind of just cherish that in that moment, um, you know, certainly it's easy to say that and, and hard to apply that in every circumstance in life. Uh, that's a, I think that's a really interesting area that he's kind of chosen to apply that, that thought. But uh, like I said, it's just been something that's been on my mind a lot recently and just kind of keeps popping up in different places. This, this idea that the journey is, is greater than the destination, kind of like the, the sum of the whole is greater than the, the part. No, some of the parts is greater than the whole. That's what I think. <laughs> anyway, um, but that's it. So I just wanted to share that and uh, we'll get over to Misha. What's up, Misha? What's going on, man? Not a lot of. What'd you up to today? Uh, work, and then uh, bailed on a happy hour with my coworker. So <laughs> it's good. Sent me a text message saying he was that I was dead to him. So you know, nice, nice. Typical work day. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I um, I actually got a heavy bag. Heavy like a, bag, like a, like a punching bag. Oh, nice. Did you get a stand yeah. for it, everything? Ah, uh, yep. Yeah, I wasn't gonna try and hang that from my ceiling. I, don't, <laughs> I went out. I went out there and because I did it in the trap house out back. You know, oh yeah, right, right. Because the, the stuff's all finally cleared out that people had out there, or whatever. So I uh, I bought some puzzle mat, which is like that. It's like a half inch like uh-huh. foam mat that like snaps together or whatever. Yeah, it looks like a kindergartner's mat. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. yeah, it's used by sophisticated workout people. Right, you know, right. So, or nap time. You know, yeah, nap time or sophisticated workout. So, right, right. Or both, you know, uh, lay down, have some chocolate milk, you know. <laughs> That's what I did after, after <laughs> in that bag. Um, yeah, but no, so I got the, the puzzle mat, and then, yeah, I went out there, and I was like, so I wonder how I would hang this from the ceiling, and the ceiling is like, you know, like drywall or whatever. I don't I don't know if that's actually what the material is, but it's like a, a, like a normal ceiling. It's not exposed beams. So I was like, I don't know how to tell, like, where the beams are and or if they could support that and i don't everything else about this house is chintzy so it's like that's probably chintzy too so i'll just get the stand i think you can get a stud finder and do it that way yeah i do actually know that that's possible but i I, even even still it's like i don't know actually 
how strong all that stuff is and what, you know, what considerations yeah. might go into it. And I don't really right. want to cave my roof in. So, yeah, right, right. So, uh, have you started using it? Yeah, I just got, so I got the heavy bag like Tuesday. I had it shipped. So, I got the heavy bag Tuesday, which was, it's 100 pounds and it was just filled. And, uh, Turns out I can lift a hundred pounds and I can carry it if I take like two inch steps, you know, just tiny little baby <laughs> steps. Yeah. Luckily I had a uh, pig show up and help me That's good. carry it in there. But anyway, <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> hang that for me. <laughs> no, 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 no. So today I got the stand. So the stand is seven and a half feet tall. So I had to assemble that with bolts and nuts and washers and an Allen wrench. And did you all use tools? I wow. did. Yeah. And I listened okay. to Tool while I did it, so it was yeah. kind of like a irony. Yeah. Um, providence is the word I used, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and so... <laughs> Hashtag shell and monk. You know, I get it. Correct, correct. So yeah. I... Uh, so yeah, so I put the stand together, and then I, I had to hang the bag from the seven and a half foot thing or whatever, right? Which I can reach that, but I the bag is... Like in the box, it was easier to carry the bag because you're holding onto a cardboard box. But once it's out of the bag, the hundred pound heavy bag is just slick because it's yeah. just like nylon or I don't know what material it is, but it's not. So I just, I'm trying to like bear hug it and lift it, and it's just like sliding down and not working <laughs> at all. So, so proving that I could have also been an engineer, just didn't choose to. Yeah, um, I leaned it up against the wall and then tipped the stand down over. Oh, nice. So that it was as low as the bag and then oh, hooked it good. in and then leaned there it back go. up. Yeah. Work smart, not hard. You know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, yeah, I still had my 18-ounce gloves from when I boxed when I was a kid. Humongous. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've seen an 18-ounce glove, but it's, like, as big as, like, a person's head, like, one glove. Yeah, like, it's right. ridiculous. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so had some hand wraps. So I wrapped my hands up and put the gloves on and... Uh, hit the bag. Still got, still got the old thunder. You might say. Uh, still got some stuff in the basement. I believe. Yeah. Uh, nice. That's accurate. We actually reenacted the entire film of Rocky Five right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's it. Basically, in a nutshell. Credits. That's yeah. Basically, yeah. I mean, really, what else do you need to know about the movie other than that? Uh, I could still do stuff. Okay. Right. Well. A box, I guess that's right. it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, gassed in about thirty seconds, so just yeah. Spent. But, no, uh, I. So I have my own story with that. I'm glad that you said you wrapped your hands. Um, oh yeah. So I started doing it at the end of my workout, uh, and the beginning of the year, and I was doing it up until March. And yeah, I mean, doing a heavy bag by itself. So I was doing. Uh, a one-two combo, and I'd switch left paw or south paw. You know, mm. so I'd, I'd change it up each way, and then I would do small body jabs, and then just do that repetitively while you kind of like jog in place, I guess, while you're doing it. You know, okay. And then at the end, just kind of like wail on it with haymakers, and uh, I actually ended up with a boxing fracture, and oh. it wasn't so. For anybody that doesn't know what a boxing fracture is, it's like anything that's in a carpal in your hand will get fractured. Most likely your pinky and your ring finger down mm. to your hand wrist. And so it wasn't a bad one, but it was enough that I couldn't actually lift past that point. Because every time specifically curls, as soon as I pick a, any weight up at all, 
just mm-hmm. the first sharp pain would shoot through my fucking hand. Uh. But it's like I didn't want to wrap my hands every time that I was going to do it because I knew I didn't have the stamina to last that long. So it's like I spend five minutes wrapping my hands only to work out for like a minute or a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I regret that very, very deeply because it, <laughs> it's now taken me six months to recover from that. And I just started lifting again or yeah, lifting again uh, a week ago. So, oh yeah. man. Wow. Yeah. I had no man. idea. It's just super annoying. Cause it's like, I could really much do anything else, but then it's, if I hit it at the wrong angle, it's just like sharp pain, like throughout my entire wrist. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Wrap hands. If you're going to do a heavy bag for sure. Yeah, so for me, because I, I, I boxed as a kid or whatever, um, and I always just, when I was a kid, if I ever hit the heavy bag without wrapping my hands first, it actually wasn't, it's actually not the knuckles that I ever had problems with, it was all, or like the fingers, it was always my wrist, because if you, if you especially with the bag when it starts spinning, or if it starts to sway at all, yeah. it's easy to like slip a little bit off the bag when you hit yeah. it, exactly. and then yeah. it can tweak your wrist, and that that's a that's a, a no fun situation. So yeah, yeah. I, uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely wrap the hands up first, but, uh, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. So I got a stand from my coworker and it's like a couple months ago. Cause he was moving and he was like, Hey, I got a free stand if you want it. And I was like, sweet. Yeah. I love right. it. Have you. Super fun. And it's a good workout and it's a good stress reliever. So I was like, yeah. So he asked me like mm-hmm. a month later, like, have you, uh, used it yet? And I was like, Nope. <laughs> 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 I have a picture in my hand, so I can't do anything with it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I've been walking in the mornings or whatever, so that's good, but it's not really that intense. So yeah, good, man. Get the heavy bag to ramp it up a little bit or whatever. But uh, are you yeah. going to turn your little rec room into uh, like a workout room, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't have like some grand plan for filling it with you know infinite things or something but i did order some more puzzle mat um cool. it's carpeted in there but i don't like i so standing on it's fine <clears throat> but i ordered another section of the puzzle mat stuff just now um so i can because i think what i'm going to do is like do like a you know <laughs> probably to start trying to do like a minute on the heavy bag and then like plank or something you know and then like get back up and do another minute and then plank again or just try and do some body maybe do some squats in between i don't know just body resistance stuff for now um i might eventually get you know some free weights or something to put out there but not in any big hurry or anything i think i need to get some weights to put on the stand because it was moving a bit when i was hitting the bag uh because i'm yeah i was so youtube is amazing for finding uh like tutorials on anything <laughs> right. uh, so i found a bunch of really cool uh heavy bag workout routines and so i was mm. trying to weigh through some of the routines that i found and they're of course meant for real boxers so it's like oh, okay i can do like a quarter of that but it could be a goal that i worked myself towards you know right right yeah it's just i i thought it would be something that would be fun and it's something that i i mean certainly there are heavy bags at some of the gyms around here but um the gyms that I, when I go to the gyms, the ones I go to don't have one. So it was like something that I could have access to that's not readily available at the gym. Whereas like weights and stuff, I mean, the gym's not that far away if that's what I wanted to do. So right, right. No, but, and I, you know, you talked about before, like, I think it's super important to find exercises that you like doing 
rather than just like, well, I need to do this and I need to do this and I need to do this, but I hate doing all of it. It's like, it's super hard to motivate yourself to develop a routine that you're going to follow through and do when it's exercise you don't like, you know? Right. I like riding my bike, so it doesn't take too much motivation for me to be like, oh, it's nice outside. Well, shit, I can go ride my bike for a while. Like, why not? Yeah. Yeah, I like, I really enjoy going for the walk in the morning, um, especially like lately I've been going at like, I don't know, around seven or so. Um, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's pretty tranquil and it's pretty cool still temperature wise or whatever. So yeah, I like yeah. that quite a bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I love walking, man. I try and walk on my lunch breaks. There's a park like down the street from my work. And so it like, it's kind of a hiking trail and it goes through the woods. So it's hmm. a break from, you know, either a factory setting and or lab setting and or, you know, cubicle setting into just right. nice nature and even if it's only for 30 minutes, it's a nice break just to get out there and walk. And, you know. Anyway, so the other day we were talking about the, the Tool album that we both love so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I was, I, when I called you, I, 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 I called really to confess that I've, decided to rate it as my my favorite tool album, my number one tool album i think it's their best one to date uh, uh, yeah it's it's hard for me to really categorize them um, because yeah for me like anima i think will always hold a special place for me because that's the one that i got into you know so that's the one that kind of i fell you know, deeply in love with the band. And so that one's kind of, I don't know, historical. There's some nostalgia there. Mm -hmm. But listening to the new one, it does really feel like each one becomes its own, like, chapter, its own book uh, in a series. And I don't know, it's hard for me to really rate them because they're all so different because they're written in different perspectives, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, certainly, yeah, the new one is just, I mean, we knew, like, going in, like, they weren't going to disappoint. The only worry that I had was that they wouldn't finish it because maybe one of the band members like died or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Really, yeah. it's like they, yeah. they would not release it and they wouldn't substitute for another band member to come in and finish it because that's, I don't know, that would seem like it was cheapening what they had worked for. Yeah, maybe they bring old Paul back, you know. <laughs> for Maynard. You know, Maynard died. Yeah. Well, we can bring Paul back. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> It is interesting though because I think that's something. It, it's some. It's a fact of the band that's not really uh, referenced that often. I mean, even by us, like I don't really, I don't really think about the fact that it was a different basis for the first two and a half albums. Yeah, know? yeah. And generally, it's something that you know, if you were in you know Nine Inch Nails or maybe even like Pussifer or APC, or like you can have two or three main members and then you just kind of cycle through other band members that are there because they're not right. really contributing to the writing process they're more right you know musicians that you're you're for hire essentially but with tool with them all being like equal parts like it does feel bizarre that they had a, another basis for the first two records yeah agreed and it's agreed. weird too because when you listen to like fear inoculum or really anything that justin's done but surely like you know, the last one, his bass style sounds so much different than Paul's, um, you know, 
opiate and undertow, there's a lot more distortion. Like the bass is there and it's very prevalent, but it's also kind of like simple writing and it's more like distortion reverb where Justin's doesn't really use a lot of distortion unless it's coming in for like choruses and stuff. He really kind of has his distinct bass sound. It's more like a flange and a chorus that you hear a lot in like 46 and two, like that main bass riff. He plays a lot with that effect and that's kind of his signature style, I think. Yeah. I, for me, like the thing that I noticed, you know, I've watched a lot of, you know, obviously we've seen Tool live four times now, I think, but I've watched um, a lot of Tool live performances on YouTube. Not, not recently, I guess, but back in the day, I used to just look for them constantly. Uh, in fact, I have downloaded the entire, it's a concert that they did at this place called JC Dobbs. Oh, okay. In Philadelphia in like 92. It's like a bar. And it's basically, it's before Undertow came out. So it's, it's mostly opiate songs, but then there's a couple un- Undertow songs that are a little different. Um, like they have, like they play bottom and he doesn't say shit adds up. He says things add up, which mm. sounds funny <laughs> just cause I've heard it so much on the album. Right. Right. But yeah, it's just kind of one of those that like that, you know, like Crabtree, he, he listened to Invincible and Descending live recordings for three months before the out before Fear Inoculum came out, Invincible and Descending being songs from the new album. Right. And, uh, and yeah, I just, I didn't really do it because I was like, yeah, I don't know. They, they change, <laughs> they change things like that. You know what I mean? Like I've seen examples of that are like old versions of Stink Fist whenever they were touring on Undertow and Anima was still being written they stink fist sounds different and i mean sometimes it's actually a cool sound because it's unique or whatever but it's like nah, eh, i'll just wait until the final thing <laughs> yeah uh i definitely put myself more in that camp with crabtree I, I obsessively listened to both of those as soon as they came out i mean i sure put it in my audio software and cleaned it up and remastered <laughs> it so to make it as like clean as possible right because that's you know kind of that's a fanboy that I am, I guess. Right. But yeah, but so in the old life performances, when you watch the, the whole point I was trying to make is that when you watch Paul, um, he just, you know, cause I don't have the understanding of the musical sophistication like you do to be able to pick out like, Oh, he's not, you know, that's not as complicated or that's more simple or whatever. Instead. It's like just the way that he acted versus the rest of the band members, like right. the rest of the band members. I mean, obviously Danny Carey, the drummer is sitting in a chair playing drums so he's not, I mean, he's moving constantly because he's playing drums, but he's not like moving around the stage. But Adam Jones, since 92, has stood in one place and played guitar. Like he's yeah. never ran around or tried to get hype or something. Right. And Maynard used to perform at the front of the stage and now largely performs at the back, but but still does mostly a lot of the same stuff. But Paul Diamore was like, like there's there's videos of him where he's like jumping up and down and like turning in circles. Like he's in like a... I don't know, any other 90s band. I mean, it's not that he was crazy. A lot of people do that shit, you know what I mean? But right, right. it doesn't fit the vibe at yeah, all. Right, right. No, I, and then they get Justin, and he he's like Adam. He just, he, I mean, he sat, one of the concerts we saw, he sat in a, on a stool or in a chair or whatever and played bass for mm-hmm. 30 minutes. I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, right, exactly. It's, that's like the benefit of having the visual spectacle because a lot of people – when they go to a show like that, they expect energy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we saw Jose Gonzalez lately and you were like, I wonder if it's going to be like tool, like 
the dynamic between those two shows is so completely different in terms of the crowd's reaction. Everybody yeah. in OTA is just like completely silent. Like loved it. So happy. Wish like so badly that I could see tool in that kind of setting. Yes. But I don't care about all of the environment that surrounds it of like the, the rock hype culture, you know, we're going to scream and be super loud and woohoo every five seconds. And we're going to sing along and scream in your face. And it's just like, just shut up and sit down and listen to music. Like, honestly, that was, that was probably my favorite part about them playing invincible and descending at the, at the last concert that we saw back in May. I mean, other than it was awesome to see new songs, that was obviously the best part of it. But beyond that, it was, um, it was that the crowd didn't know them, so they yeah. had to, they had to just shut the fuck up. Yeah, right? They, they didn't know what the lyrics were. They didn't know what the music uh, was. It just kind of like I don't know what this is. It's not silver. Yeah. I don't know. Right. <laughs> shut up and sit down, man. Right. <laughs> they did. They they would try and start cheering because the you know Fear Inoculum songs are all very long, uh, except for like, I mean, all honestly, Chocolate Chip Trip or whatever, uh-huh. like. That was one of the ones that you found on that early copy that you found of it, but it's more in line with the other kind of weird ambient songs that they have. I don't know what else to call them, where it's only a few minutes long. It's yeah, like triad, you know. Right, right. But um, but the actual full songs, we'll call them, they're all super long, and so like at the concert. There's a lot of rests in the songs though, where it sounds like maybe it's going to end, right, and then it doesn't, and. Uh, and yeah, they uh, people would start cheering or start clapping like the song was over, and then the music would come back in. And it's like, please just shut up. <laughs> Not the band, but the crowd. You know, like just stop. <laughs> you don't know when it's over, so just let it go. Right, right. We're all super over it. Yeah. So. It, if I was wealthy enough to just hire that band to play a show where it could just be like me and my friends that go, and we could all just like sit and enjoy it, I would totally do that because I'm not really there for the crowd environment. A lot of people at all. rock shows. Cause it's like, you're a part of this giant crowd. There's this giant energy mm-hmm. shows like that. And there, there can be a lot of fun. They really can be, but not that band. That band doesn't really play that way. You know? Well, like, I mean, like you said, as different as tool and Jose are it's, for me, it's kind of the same listening experience. Yeah, where it's like, no, exactly. I just want to be like completely immersed in it. I don't want any of you fucking people talking. I don't want any of you people singing along. Yeah. Right. The, 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 the place that we saw the Jose show is the pageant theater, um, which is the only time I've ever been to a theater that's that size and that um, orientation. Like the Galois here in Springfield might seat a similar amount of people, but it's not laid out in the same way that the palace was. Right. right. Or not the palace, sorry, the pageant. Um, yeah. The pageant was far and away my favorite venue that I've ever been to. Like, I, I, I loved it. I so do. Much. People have really hot and cold opinions about it, but I don't really see how you can because you it's oriented in this nice like horseshoe mm-hmm. uh, arrangement where it doesn't really matter where you are. You always have like a good spot and vantage point of the band and it always sounds good. So it's never I don't know, it's always it always feels intimate and in you and your proximity to the music that you're listening to regardless of where you're at. Right. It will, and like you can get up and go get a drink, and the bar is still in the the concert hall or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's still in the same room yeah. with the stage. Yeah. So right. you don't. Whereas, like at the Tool concerts, they're always in these arenas. So if you go get a drink, you have to completely leave 
the area where the yeah. music is. You right. Know? And it's deadened and you can't hear it. And yeah, I mean, there was a few times I got up during the Jose concert just so because I'm an audio nerd, like just so I could see what it sounded like in different aspects of the building. Mm-hmm. Go to the bar and get a beer. And then I just hang out there and watch a song because it's just going to sound different. And I'm just a nerd and I just want to hear that. You know, it wasn't necessarily better or anything. It just sounds different. And I wanted like different angles towards him mm-hmm. sounded like you know and you can do that there that's why i think it's so amazing right but yeah I, can you imagine seeing tool at the pageant like that would be that would be incredible i know yeah it's but tickets would be like a thousand dollars each because they yeah. <laughs> or you know when they did, that, uh, they did that intimacy tour show when it was just the instrumental parts of the band not mainard and they would play stuff from the new record instrumental and old stuff. And then they did Q and a, and I was like, Oh man, we have to go do really. That. Yeah. You don't remember I've that? never heard of that. No, that was uh last October maybe. Yeah. You can see like, yeah. And you can ask you can ask questions to the band and they'd answer them and stuff. Oh my God. People had the worst questions. Just awful. <laughs> why is he such a dick all the time? Why won't he that? Like, why can't he ever participate in anything? I honestly think, for him, it's because he does not have time in his schedule to do stuff like that. He's ah. got wine, he's got Pussifer, he's got APC. Like, I think he yeah. juggles a lot of things where it's like, yeah, I'm going. I'm pretty sure Danny's in another band that plays at some place called like the Frog or some shit. Like potato all the time. There you go. There you go. I don't know why he said frog, but whatever. <laughs> Maybe the band has something to do with frogs. I don't know. There's some frog tie-in, I believe. But <laughs> oh no, he does have another super band he did with uh, the guitarist from Mastodon. Uh, okay, a sea chanty metal band. It's really weird. I don't care. <laughs> there is that band. Um, but yeah, so I, but tickets were five hundred bucks. So it's like oh, yeah, man. pay five hundred and then go see. And it's like, man, that's way way too out of my price range to do i that. mean it is but we paid 300 or something or no it was like 200 i guess a couple of years ago because we could only get tickets on the ticket reseller site right, right but i don't know that'd be i mean it, it is a lot but it's also like i don't know it's kind of once in a lifetime i know I mean, yeah i don't but know as you, you can 500 probably, to go like skydiving you know what i mean it's kind of like you oh know. yeah no totally like if it but you can imagine that if tickets that we found sold out for a normal right. show and an arena really fast you can imagine how quickly those went out so, yeah, oh they, yeah it would have to be they did a show in chicago and i was like oh man gotta go mm. I was like yeah there's no way so resellers <laughs> on that would have been like you know 700 800. oh yeah probably more than that but yeah we, it would have to be like what you did for the st louis show that we saw in may where you actually went to the venue physically and bought tickets that yeah. would have that'd be the only way to to swing it yeah, absolutely but it would have been really cool, but yeah, people just, <laughs> they asked just some of the worst questions. Uh, I wish I could remember any of them off the top of my head, but it was just like that. You have a chance to meet the band and ask them a question and that's what you ask them? Like, oh my God. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm sure. Your favorite pair of sneakers. I'm like, <laughs> what? Really? That's what you asked him? Oh my God. I watched. Have you ever seen? I, I, I think I, I think you. I think I linked it to you before the show off camera with Sam Jones, yeah. where he interviews like actors and stuff. Right. So he recently has had on uh, this dude named like I think it's Sam Ackerman, who I guess used to write for Mr. Show, and then he directs Between Two Ferns. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, and then off camera also had Zach Galifianakis on. So I've seen a couple of clips from those. 
and uh, <laughs> it just made me think of it because you're talking about the bad questions. So obviously Between Two Ferns is exclusively bad questions. <laughs> and it turns out it's not scripted. Like, I mean, obviously yeah. Zach Galifianakis scripts his questions out ahead of time, but the guest doesn't know what he's going to ask. I mean, they're told ahead of time, like, the questions are going to be kind of mean and on point, but yeah, it's right. just a show. It's not how we feel. Right, of course, because there's a lot of, like, mean shit, you know. <laughs> right. Obviously, like, worked with some of these people, like the ones that Bradley Cooper. Oh, my God. Fun. Yeah. But so he was talking about how he had Hillary Clinton on, which I, I remember that episode. And uh, I guess it was a, one of the jokes didn't make it into the final edit, but he was like, all right, well, we've got um, we've got some viewer mail so let's let's take some questions from our viewer mail and she's like okay and he's like uh we actually get our view, viewer mail via fax and he has a fax machine next to him <laughs> and so it's like super loud for like a sing like a whole entire minute printing out this fax on like a dot matrix printer <laughs> right and so they're just waiting for a very long time with this obnoxious sound and he's like well we can still talk while we're waiting for that and she's like okay he's like so uh what's your favorite color and she kind of rolls her eyes and she's like blue and he's like okay cool he's like oh hey the fax is done and he pulls it out and he goes all right we've got amber from alabama and her question is what is your favorite color <laughs> <laughs> and that's all satire but i'm sure that the fucking tool q a questions are right in line with that yeah it's like oh my god right right <laughs> except it's not a, not written ahead of time to be funny two ferns i think that's probably my favorite one i think i've watched all of them the ones that have stood out to me are the brad pitt one and the will ferrell one the, the will ferrell one's hilarious that they outfit. start feeding each other cherries or yeah. something so, out of each other's mouth. Yeah. the brad pitt one he spits gum yeah, in his out. face <laughs> and then jack alphanekis eats it yeah. and then brad pitt takes it back and then eats it himself again yes what <laughs> Yeah, yeah that's pretty Carell cool. one, he uh like Carell tries to get the jump on him for oh, like, yeah. making like derogatory. He's like, I know yeah, yeah. it works, huh? You fucking fat ass. Yeah. <laughs> like dropping like horrible. Oh my god, it's <laughs> hilarious. It's like, wow, I'm not not that fat, actually. Yeah, I do remember that. That is yeah. he's like, I'm not that fat, okay? It's not, it's not great. I'm not that big. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
Yeah, that show is it's so brilliant. I they have a Netflix movie out now. Yeah, right. Ferns, which I've been hesitant to watch because I like the show so much that I don't want to like tarnish it with a bad movie because I don't understand how that turns into a movie. Right. And I haven't I haven't seen like a ton of reviews on it, but I've seen a couple people talk about it, and yeah, they're not impressed. They're like, man, it doesn't really translate. And it's like, yeah, I don't know how it could. It's a five minute show. Like, how do you make ninety minutes out of it? I probably could watch an entire movie of Conan interviewing Jordan Shalaski or whatever. Oh my god! Shit, man, those might be some of the funniest. Like, yes, it's or not. Like, <laughs> watched one where he was eating a Japanese meal. <laughs> they go into a Japanese house, and Jordan's like telling him, <laughs> "Like, you don't have to talk all the time, okay." Like sometimes you just sit there in silence and he like tries to describe to him like what the food is and how it's prepared. And the waitress is just like standing there like the whole time. And Conan's like, I think the waitress is ready to drown herself in the koi pond if she has to listen to you anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's one where they go to like Sam Adams Brewing Company. And, oh, actually, I don't know if Jordan Slansky's there. So yeah, never. I just remember Conan making fun of the Sam Adams guy for like, he like sniffs the hops very intimately and conan's like that's really creepy how you're doing that? <laughs> it's like the actual owner of sam adams right that's pretty good yeah yeah i could watch an hour and a half of that for sure yeah 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 if you did a movie where those two went on vacation somewhere and it's 90 minutes i'm in but some of my favorite aspects of between two ferns is the ending like how it just abruptly ends like yeah and like i'm not that fat and then he just like sits back and he like breaks the chair or whatever and then it just abruptly ends you know <laughs> yeah. so good mm-hmm. yeah no it's uh it's one of my favorite it's one of my favorite things I, like it, it is it's funny because it's you know it certainly doesn't have the longevity of a south park or right you know right. nearly the it's it's very unfair to put it in the category of south park but the way that I categorize them together is that I'm jealous. Like I'm jealous of South Park. Like I like to think that I'm funny and can come up with funny things, but I can't write South Park. Like that's so brilliant. Probably can't. And like between two ferns, like I wish that was my idea. Like I wish that the walk show was just me insulting guests for five minutes. Right. We're doing over here. You know, (laughs) it'd be way better, but I didn't think of it. So I can't steal it. I know. Well, and it's, it's funny too because my reaction to that show is like, God, I'd love to be a guest on that show. Oh, because I'm shameless and I don't give a fuck. Like, I would right. immediately take any insult that he had and just being like, Yeah, right. What makes you think that you're a good actor? I'm not. I'm not a good actor. <laughs> Have you seen? There's one out now with Paul Rudd. Have you seen that? I've seen that. It's not as he's not as funny as I thought he would be. But there is one moment where. <laughs> uh, Zach asks him, uh, how long have you been practicing acting? And he's like, I don't practice. I perfected it. <laughs> and then right. like, cracks himself up a little bit. Eh, that was pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. I did. Find yeah. I, I thought, I thought that yeah, Paul Rudd wasn't like, I mean, he, but he's really just kind of playing the straight man or whatever I thought. Yeah. But Zach right. Alvin X's questions, like when he's like, so how does one become comedy adjacent? Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was really funny given oh, Paul Rudd's yeah. career. Oh, yeah. Like, that is kind of what he is, is comedy right. adjacent. Right, right. Like, the first time I ever saw him was Clueless. I don't know if that was his first major movie or not, but that's the first time I ever saw him. Yeah, I think that was the first time I saw him too. Yeah. 
uh, and then he's in. I think he's in like Wet Hot American Summer. Yep. Yep. And then honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I saw him. That I saw anything else that he was in. I mean, I know he did a bunch of stuff. Which <laughs> Zach Galifianakis is like, is it better to be in Marvel movies or things that no one's ever seen? <laughs> <laughs> so good yeah yeah absolutely but i do like uh, paul rudd oh like, no he's hilarious funny. role models i think it's hilarious uh um, oh, see i don't think i've seen that yeah it's super super good it's him and sean william scott i think mm. oh stifler yeah stifler he's um, good in it though he's good in it he's hilarious okay. yeah. all right I'll trust he has, they have to mentor uh like underprivileged city youth i guess and <laughs> troubled youth as part of community service and uh stifler's kid is just like, like he steals his car he's like a 10 year old he, like steals his car <laughs> goes to the gas station <laughs> just gets hooked on kiss songs because kiss songs are all about sex like that's how they bond like it's just ridiculous like, wow yeah it's super it's super ridiculous uh, the stifler guy might be funny it was just that it seemed like he just only played that role no matter what the movie was oh, he, he totally got typecast there for a while just like yeah. there was some movie with him in the rock and he's he's that character in that also yeah. right what is that movie is that the rundown? Uh, it's like him in the rock and what did you say the rundown yeah, is that it but i think that is it walken? and christopher walken's the villain yeah right <laughs> He's got like a I whip. I think he has like a whip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll play there. Like a whip? What's that, Ray? He's got a whip. super dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you make that? Get a gun in this villain's hand. Scratch that. Let's get a whip in this villain. Mm-hmm. I mean, whips do have a storied history of being fucked up, so. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. And The Rock's Hawaiian, so it's kind of close to slavery. So, uh, seen any seen any movies lately? Uh, so I I watch mostly like horror, like exclusive, uh, which is funny because you and I, you don't really watch horror at all. But for never. me, like the only two kinds of movies that I really watch are horror and comedy, ah. and it's because there's like baseline satisfaction that I will get out of them, where mm-hmm. like drama. Dramas just take forever. Like I understand, like it's cinematic, uh, artistic impression. When I'm like, oh, that was really cool, like and neat and whatever. But it's like long pauses between dialogues that's softly spoken. That you know, a scene can take like five minutes to get out two lines of dialogue. It's like, oh my god, this is taking forever. Where horror, yeah. like I'm looking at it really at like a superficial level. Like, are there really cool special effects? Is it fun is it scary is it not scary is it there's a whole lot of different elements same thing with comedy is it like is it funny will i laugh at it then i don't really give a shit about anything else that's really involved did you ever watch have you ever watched uh 21 or 22 jump street yes yeah so i was actually really surprised by them i actually liked them a lot the last time that you were here uh, Mm. i was asleep but i woke up and bridget was watching i think 22 was playing right she said you guys are watching that. And I'm glad that you had seen it before because, yeah, I actually really like those movies a lot. I think they're hilarious. Like, Correct, so yeah. they really funny. Both of them are really Yeah, funny. like I didn't think that I – I mean, I I, I, I I like Jonah Hill from other things I've seen him in. Like probably my favorite performance of him is is Moneyball. Um, yeah, he's, he's really good. Really yeah, he is. Yeah. I just That's watched funny. So, yeah, I did recently watch that uh, like 
month ago, maybe. I guess that's an example of a drama, basically, right? I mean, there's yeah. not it's it, not a thriller, it's not an action, right? I guess it's not a comedy. Probably why it took me so long to watch it, because <laughs> ah. <laughs> it came out I don't know, like ten years ago or something. So it was it was a while, but uh, I think I just had a bunch of extra time, and I was like, yeah, I, I should watch that. Aaron Sorkin, right? Didn't Aaron Sorkin write it? He might have, however, or co-wrote based on a book. Yeah, right. Moneyball. Right. And the guy who wrote the Moneyball book is Michael Lewis. That's also the same guy who wrote the book, The Big Short. The okay. Big Short was an adapter. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. Right. So he's the common thread of yeah fascinating right. content. I thought that there was some kind of common thread there. Yeah, yeah I, I I've watched a ton of Michael Lewis interviews on YouTube, like almost anything I can find, and uh, and yeah, it's great. Like I highly recommend Michael Lewis. Yeah, for sure. seen that comedians in cars getting coffee with brian regan i don't know i've seen i i was gonna actually bring that up when we were talking about zach galifianakis because he was way weirder than i thought he would be who in zach galifianakis in the comedians in cars like he was like oh, him and dave chappelle both were like a lot more awkward than i thought i haven't actually would. seen the chappelle one yet I, oh yeah you should totally watch i was saving that one for when I could actually pay closer attention to it. And I don't think I actually went back and watched it yet. I went, I watched the Eddie Murphy one. That was pretty good. That wasn't bad. Yeah. I haven't seen, I haven't seen the Eddie Murphy one. I haven't watched any of them. And I don't know. It's probably been several months since I checked it out. So I don't know who's right up and up these days. Um, Is the Eddie Murphy one good? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. I think he's talking about doing another standup, which is. Good. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, because I mean, you know, obviously Seinfeld brings up Raw and Delirious, which I think are classics. I mean, I grew up with those. Well, grew up, quote unquote, um, when I was like seventeen or eighteen. Like I watched those. Like, mm. like I love those. Those are hilarious. Um, yeah, I recently watched the new Chappelle stand-up and the new Bill Burr stand-up. So, oh man, I can't believe we have. I haven't seen the Bill Burr one, but the Chappelle one. So. Do you, I've seen that. Do you? What is your uh, yeah, and I, I plan I, like I actually listened to him on Joe Rogan. Oh, okay, for yeah. a couple hours talking about it. So I, I plan to watch it. I just haven't got around to it yet. Great. Uh, uh, so the Chappelle one's not that fresh in my mind, 
but I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I think it's his best performance since killing him softly. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Completely agree. Yeah. The fact that he just blatantly insulted the entire audience, I laughed <laughs> super hard. When he was when he does impressions. Yeah. <laughs> his impressions are uh, uh, what's up, dude? Uh what's going on? <laughs> Who's that? That's fucking you. <laughs> well, after he says, I'm gonna go and try and find stuff from like thirty years ago and embarrass you with it, you know. Yeah. So, trying to ruin your career. <laughs> Who's that? Who's that sound like? That's fucking you. That's who it is. Like, oh my god. So yeah. good. What does he say? I've never had a worse audience than you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> points at everybody in the crowd. Like, damn. Wow. Well, and just he it, it it's also like it's interesting because it's absolutely a piece for the time. Because like I don't know that ten years ago I would have thought it was as funny simply because it wouldn't have been as contextually relevant, but the fact that he is so insensitive. Yeah. Um, I just, I love it because it's weird because like I used to totally be on the, like, you know, for lack of a better term, like social justice warrior kick where I'm like, Oh, you know, and again, I still am completely anti bigotry in any form. And it's not that I support bullying. I hate all that. Of course. But so, but for a long time, it was like anything that came out like that. I was like, yep, I'm on board. Like F the bully, F the bigot, whatever. Yeah. Oh. And again, I still feel like that when it's legitimate, but we have absolutely crossed into another area now where it is like hypersensitivity about everything. Well, and, and um, Bill Burr makes a comment because his standup is really relevant to the same topic. Mm. It's, you know, with me too being as an example of something that's, really relevant and something that was necessary to begin with our reaction to it in the society is a way over correction for actually right. the situation which is he brings up he's like well you know there will be a, a female president like no doubt we will definitely see a female president and then like a bunch of people start cheering and he's like what the fuck you don't even know what their platform is and you're already voting for them you know what i mean and it's like it's like, what happened to due process? What happened to, like, if right. you use someone that you have to go through a process of dealing with whatever is, if they're guilty, yeah, fuck those assholes. But there's mm -hmm. still to be legitimacy there. You can't just have people saying whatever they want to and then have repercussions of people's lives being ruined because of it. You know, like, there's a way over swing where it's like, there's one tweet out, so now this person's fired. It's like, wow, really? PR just destroys your entire, like, life. Well, like, so you take an example like Harvey Weinstein or whatever. That's, you know, one of the more famous Me Too, right. you know, fallout things. Perfect sense. Like, yep, yep. that guy sounds like a total piece of shit and yep. a monster. So super glad that we called that guy out. Yep, definitely. But then there was, like, this dude in, in Minnesota who hosts a radio show. And he, like, he had a friend one time, a female friend, and he she had a, a, like a dress or something on that had no back. Right. And when he hugged her, he touched that bare part of her back. Right. And in the moment she was like, kind of like, Whoa, like that was a little too, you know, that was a little weird. And he was just like, Oh my bad. Like, sorry. Didn't mean to, didn't mean to cross a line or whatever. Thought it was resolved. And then me too movement happens. And that story resurfaces 
And not only did he lose his job, but he'd been on the radio for like 30 years and they deleted all of his radio archives. Like, yeah. It's like just erased him. And it's yeah. like, I don't feel like that's the same thing. Right. You know, no, exactly like, at all. Like that is a complete overcorrection. And right. from my perspective is that you just don't want bad PR. You don't even really give a shit that that person did something bad or didn't do something bad. There's enough people that are following that movement that will stop listening to it and stop supporting it. They're like, all right, ratings are down because this person tweeted something bad about you. So you're gone. And it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's how I lose my job. huh? So it amazes me that anybody even has a Twitter account or is even on social media. That's like, because <laughs> it's like, dude, you're just a ticking time, Bob. You're just waiting. For right. Something. It may not even yeah. be something that you did. Like, that's the thing is like, it could just be something that someone else says. Oh, well, sorry. Enough people follow it and retweet it or whatever. Then you're gone. Like, doesn't matter if it's legitimate or not. Yeah. And I, I, it's, it's, it's an interesting balance to strike though, because like on the one hand, I do think that there's been a significant overcorrection where people are too sensitive and anything that is critical of them now is like, well, that's unfair that you would say like, Dog, I've been fat for most of my adult life. Same. And fat jokes, people don't say like fat jokes to me directly all the time, but it happens. Yeah. And certainly people will say them around me, not necessarily directing it to me. And it's right. like, I, I just kind of let it go. Now, granted, my weight is something that's in my control as opposed to, again, like sexism or, or racism or something like that, where it's not something that, you know, you can pick. So it, it's a little different, I guess, but... I don't know. I just feel like I just feel like there has been an overcorrection. However, in light of that overcorrection, I also am a little hesitant to jump on the, the bandwagon and not that not that you did or something, but to jump on the bandwagon of like, oh, well, this is all just the boy who cried wolf and there's no problem. It's like, well, it's somewhere in the middle here. Yeah, no, right. It's not binary. It's certainly not. Binary. Right. But there has right. to be some kind of process with dealing with pieces of shit who abuse the power that they're in, like. That's fine. Right. Legitimacy there, like fuck those people. Like, ah, yeah, rape me. Did he rape you? And there's enough people that say that, and there's evidence, and that's all been accounted for, and it's gone through a due process. Fuck that asshole. Put him in prison. Whatever he needs to do to face punishment, do that. Right. But right. Not just start making shit up and just like you know have that be the basis of how we actually gauge people's lives. Like that Brock Turner dude that was like the Stanford kid or something that yeah. assaulted the woman like outside of a bar, like right. fuck that guy, yeah. like, and got a really lenient <laughs> sentence. Like <laughs> I hope that his name is never forgotten. I hope yeah. people always bring up Brock Turner and are like, that guy's a monster piece of shit thing. <laughs> right. Correct. Right. Um, so there's examples like that where, yeah, like it is, it is still fucked up and it is messed up and, yeah. That guy should be. <laughs> yeah. The, the truth yeah. is, is that I just have, I like I'm, and I know that it's wrong because I know that there are, there are times where there are false accusations and there are times where the story is not what was portrayed initially, but it's like, it, like in that case, there's no, there's no question as to whether or not it happened. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's like, I, again, I, I know that it's not, it's, it's not actually the reasonable way for us to have a society, but it's like, I don't know, man, if you do that shit, you should just be drug out in the street and ended and, yeah. and just like move on. Like we don't have time for your DNA to propagate. You know what I mean? Right. So right. we got to move on from this. Yep. But. Well, and I don't want to pay tax dollars to support you being somewhere only for you to come out 
like five years later or whatever and right repeat the same behavior because you probably will because more than likely all of those people are repeat offenders okay. yeah you know yeah just stuck it's, it's a bad system but you need people i think and i think the good comedians are doing a good job of that because they're social commentators yes. of saying like hey there is an overcorrection here like we are kind of it's good that fighting for equal rights is taking place but there's also a level of like insensitivity where it's like i have nothing wrong with transgender people i don't really give a shit about being gay i don't really give a shit about whatever aspects about this are are not true or are true but you can't once you step over the line of treating people as something that's not within their choice that's a problem right right Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's what I really appreciate about the the Sticks and Stones, I think, is the new Dave Chappelle special is that I I love <laughs> I love how insensitive it is and I love how it just yeah. goes right right at it. And it's just like, what are you going to do to me? Because he already got paid. There's no show <laughs> to get canceled. There's no there's no advertisers, no sponsor to get pulled. Right. Right. You just do what he wants. And uh, it's, it's brilliant. My, one of my favorite lines is when he talks about. Uh, the LGBT community being in a car and you yes. that is an analogy and he's yeah. like and the T's the T's are really just making the car ride longer <laughs> 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 oh man that was so good because because it is because it's you know that's that's a much more difficult situation uh to, to transpire and make it for equal rights or, or not equal rights. You know that. Well, and I, the thing is that I also love is that like, it, it it's not even that I necessarily, it's not, it's, it's honestly not that I agree with a lot of the things that he's saying, but I don't think a lot of the things he's saying are actually his point of view either. It's more like it's, you know, as, as tool teaches us, like I go back to the scriptures as hush teaches us, I can't say what I want to, even if I'm not serious, you know, it's like, it's just it's a joke and if you don't like the joke that's totally fine you don't have to watch it you don't have to support it you don't have to check out his next special when it comes out but he's not a monster because he made a joke sorry like right exactly and at the end of the day these people aren't legislators and they're not people that are writing the (laughs) foundation of our economy and society they're just pointing out things that maybe seem ridiculous and inconsistent and things that like uh, this is kind of weird and fucked up <laughs> and funny, right? <laughs> you know, right? And really, to bring it back to tool, like maybe we do need a fear inoculum. You know, maybe we need something to help us uh, provide, you know, uh, an inoculation for our future based on the circumstances that we have now. Like we need to take a look at all the things that we're doing as a society and hopefully help mitigate that later against fear, you know, whether or not right. their, their intent with that record or not, I don't know, you know, Crabtree and I have talked a little bit about it. Um, but being a fear inoculum, it seems like the whole album is designed to be like an inoculum, something that you build a vaccination against, like mm-hmm. impact everything that's needed to work against fear. Uh, and since that's kind of been prevalent, especially in our society as of late, like, you know, let's kind of look at everything we need in order to make that fight better, you know? Right. Because like, right, he was, right. I think one of the best points that Maynard had brought up uh, was on the Joe, Joe Rogan podcast when he talks about, you know, let's, 
I think it was a game show idea he had or something where he talks about oh right yeah to just get two people together have a conversation about something not revolving around your actual viewpoints of what you actually believe just find common ground somehow and then once you actually develop a relationship with that people on independent topics of what you actually believe you'll realize at the end of that that you still believe what you believe and they still believe what you believe but you've had common ground to communicate with you know yeah i mean and you know obviously a lot of people have had this conversation so not that this is a, a profound point at all but i think it's just it's so much social media i mean i've talked about before you know i used to sit next to a lady uh at my old job who who just would get on twitter and just do political fights all day <laughs> and and on twitter she's like this like you know, and and to be to her credit, she gets bullied too. You know, so it's not just like she's the only aggressor. It's a whole cycle where everyone's super vicious with each other. And in the ring, yeah. but then in person, that's not who she is. And her and I had completely different political views, and we could actually have rational conversations. Now, sometimes I would have to cut the conversation short because I I thought it was starting to veer into like being a little too confrontational for what I care to talk about at work. Yeah, um, but. We could do that, and I could be like, you know what, I don't want to actually go there. Uh, you know, I respect your opinion because you're entitled to it, but I don't actually want to debate that with you. And she's like, okay. And that's it. And it's like, it's because we're in person, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, the keyboard warrior thing is just so real, and oh. it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's unfortunate. guest you had did the social media startup mm -hmm. German cat yeah Alexander Riesenkampf I think his name is something yeah. like that yeah like that was a, a really cool idea I thought that you had social media but you had to actually have a camera so that you get right the physical person that you were interacting with so you could actually see body language you could actually see right. responses not just you know faceless dialogue imprinted that you can't provide context. Like one thing that I know that I hate about doing um, any kind of typing on social media or texting is that sarcasm never translates. <laughs> so I'm a, I mean, for you and I, it does because we're pretty much exclusively oh, yeah, sarcastic. Right. So. <laughs> we know that about each other, but if I'm sarcastic <laughs> with someone else on a text or anything else, it's like, eh, they probably don't get it. But right. Unless I shroud it in like, tons of ridiculousness where it's like okay obviously he's being sarcastic yeah i just type lol like 40 times per text so that way people <laughs> understand that i'm always like ha ah, isn't it funny ha ah, I, I don't actually laugh that much yeah, right. but in the text constantly laughing yeah definitely
people that know him would be like, hey, you laugh quite a bit. Well, listen here, fuck sticks. It's not that much. So, <laughs> so what is your favorite track on the new Tool record? It's so hard for me to decide. Like I said this when it, when the album first came out, I was I was talking to another buddy about it, and I was like, my favorite song is whatever one I listened to most recently. Yeah. And and I still actually don't know that I've escaped that. Because, like, Invincible, mm-hmm. I got stuck on recently, and I was like, I think that's my favorite track. And so then I started doing the thing I always do, where, like, I start playing the album at that track. Right. And, and, and I might put it on, like, loop all or whatever, so when it gets through the end, it starts back over at the beginning. So it's not that I'm not listening to the songs that come before it. You know, I'm just kind of listening out of order, I guess you could say. So I started doing that with Invincible, but... You know, like, uh, what is there not to like about Tempest? You know, what is there not to like about Culling Voices? Like, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's all incredible. So, I guess to have a a position, I would say that currently it's invincible. Yeah. Um, but, but it's kind of like when we were talking about ranking the albums. Like, I say that I think this is their best work. But it's, it's their best work by like one percent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> if this is a hundred percent, all of the others are, you know, descending down to like ninety five percent or something. And maybe that's even too significant. Right. Right. So same thing with the songs. Like Invincible is kind of where I'm at right now. But I, I, it's not because I think the rest of it is in any way <laughs> bad at all. Like I, I, I love it. Yeah, I was looking on uh, uh, reviews when it first came out on reddit from people because i was trying to find other people that were noticing links and melodies to previous songs that you and i talked about you know my current um opinion or philosophy or perspective is that the album is a throwback to its previous record so there's a lot of reused melodies not out of laziness but out of like companion songs that it's written to backwards Mm -hmm. so i was trying to like look and see if other people were kind of noticing that and I found one person that was like, oh, man, Fear Inoculum is so great. The, the album is so great. It's just it's so much better than Undertow. I'm just so glad that they finally did that. Just That that comment really took me back to like, what the fuck is wrong with Undertow? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, are you really? What's strange? Did you miss the other three or whatever? Like, what? Yeah, what? Right. It was like, uh, okay, I think Undertow is pretty much perfect as it is like i don't know i wouldn't change it yeah i mean even sober that you and i have are like sometimes a little hesitant on because it's the it's the song that probably got the most radio play right and it's covered by that fuck face from stained aaron <laughs> lewis or oh god he actually tours and covers that song as part of his like fuck you man well, he's country now you know he's got to so are you kidding me oh yeah that's what he does now he's like or <laughs> solo acoustic. Right. Uh, I think he veers more. That, that's what I've seen is the solo acoustic version yeah. of him covering over by himself. Yeah. Which, at least to his credit, he is not a terrible vocalist. I've also seen, for anyone who wants their ears to bleed, there is a uh, a cover that Fred Durst does. Yeah, correct. From Limited from Opiate. Yeah. And that is... Yeah. That is... Yeah, yeah. Live, it makes I, mad. I watched to... this uh, local band uh, in Springfield, Missouri, when I was like eighteen or nineteen, and they covered the song "Opiate." And <laughs> that dude, he had like long blonde hair, and he was shirtless with a leather vest on. 
and uh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> and the rest of the songs didn't sound like that at all. It was just like, who is this band? And then all of a sudden they opened or they played Opiate, and I was like, what? Well, and what a bizarre one to cover. Like, do like Sweat or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, why Opiate? Why that one where there's like a lot of vocal emphasis right. or whatever? You know, like, totally do- like scott stat from creed like holding them up <laughs> and it was just like i think you missed the point here man <laughs> not one of these things is not like the other <laughs> right yeah like we were talking about with the new tool record though i just i feel like it's their i feel like it's i don't know the 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 heaviest record that they have like as far as just like a hard rock kind of sound or whatever you want to call it you know i don't know if heavy metal is the appropriate term or what but um opiate is certainly pretty heavy but opiate's very short i mean it's an ep and the songs are short yeah undertow it's kind of similar to it go ahead no no yeah you know you're right uh it, it definitely is much more into the metal spectrum where they yes. have really been before because right there's a lot of intricate melodies and it is heavy but it's not like bar chord heavy rock like undertow and opiate art where it's just right words that are heavy with heavy distortion and that's kind of the driving force of the melodies like intricate you know arpeggios and, and different you know guitar terminologies that, that showcase their intricate work which is what metal fans really like about metal is that like yeah that's what i was gonna say is like every for everyone who is like oh i love metallica but all before the black album you know, like, yeah, right. Metallica, right. like, well, listen up, dude, because this is not that it sounds like Metallica, but just like all the things that you claim to love about that old Metallica they're doing here where I mean, again, it's 12 minute tracks, 15 minute track. Like, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a lot of it is not covered with vocals. A lot of it is just instrumental stuff. Right. So right. which was definitely, you know, we had talked before, like my biggest hang up with coming to terms with the record. And that's just something that you know, for me comes with the cycle of a new tool record and dissecting it in layers. It's like, yeah, not every layer, not every layer that you listen to initially is a layer that you actually want or that you're expecting. So therefore you're not really sure if it's something that you actually want, (laughs) if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, My best example of that, I was thinking about this earlier is that, um, Outcast had a record called Speaker Box Love Below, where um, Outcast is a duo, and Big Boy wrote Speaker Box, and then uh, Andre 3000 wrote Love Below. Two completely separate records, and Love Below was Andre's record, and it's very eclectic. It's very like superficial. There's a lot of like R&B on there. There's a lot of funk. There's some jazz. There's some hip-hop, but it's a really unique style of songs that he goes through and then big boys record is just a a basically like a standard hip-hop record and when i first listened to it i was like uh i really like andre's record because andre's record is this super colorful experimental break from tradition of record that they had done before and big boys was just kind of like leaning into the style that he was kind of like known for so i put speaker box kind of on the side and then love below was like my jam like i loved it Right after like a week of listening to Love Below, it was like I found myself skipping over a ton of songs just to get to the songs that I like. 
and I didn't actually end up liking the record that much because it didn't hold up over time because it was written really quickly and it was really superficial and eclectic where I found myself really loving speaker box because the more that I listened to it, the more it like grew on me, like over time, it became something that I liked more and more that I listened to it. And right. so it's like every time that I play tool for someone that's never listened to it before, I kind of have to preface that with that because I don't expect them to be like, Oh my God, this music is so crazy. I've never heard it before. It's like, you're not really going to have that reaction. You might, but more than likely you're going to be like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's not, it's not anything crazy that I've never heard before or something, but right. I guarantee you, if you listen to it over and over and over again, it will start growing on you more and more because there's things about it that just stand the test of time. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, that was my experience with it. You know, you introduced it to me, right? I think we talked about this on the tool episode already, but I remember we got in your truck and you were like, uh, you want to listen to tool? And I was like, ah, now, nah. and you were like, what? You don't like tool? And I was like, I mean, I don't really know it. I guess I just associated it with like skater culture from when we were teenagers, which I don't even know what that means now at this age, but back then that made meant something to me. Right. And you were like, no, that doesn't make sense. I'm going to put it in. And so you put it in and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. And so I started listening to it and yeah, it just, uh, it, it just continued to grow on me the more and more I listened to it. Yeah, because it um, hooks you with melodies that aren't super complex, but that you kind of, like, remember. And you're like, oh, yeah, I really like this song. I really like Prison Sex, for example. Like, yeah. It's a really cool song. That's the one that you really got into. Right. You listen to that one a lot, and then you're like, holy shit. Like, the more I listen to it, the more, like, this song is amazing. Right. The idea in the context of what it actually means or what it means in the, the album that they produced or whatever, but just that you like the song that it's, that it is, you know, and then you right. move to different songs. Like, oh, I really like this song. Oh, I really like this song. And then you kind of like start peeling back the layers of seeing like, oh, there's like much more depth here than just a rock song about partying with your friends and getting wasted or something, you know? Right. Yeah. No, it's um, obviously, you know, we're huge Tool fans, so we love it. But it's like we talked about before. It's just it's constantly the onion, right? Like you constantly just can peel back layer after layer. Yeah. And there's just always more. And there's always something else. And I don't know. The new album, you know, I talked about it on another episode where I kind of gave my review of the album in, in brief, if you will. But what, what the thing that I said was that, like, on all the other albums... You know, and really, I think it's because of the song length, but the songs are all independent. Like, The Grudge is like a self contained thing on Lateralist, and then Schism is a self contained thing. But then, like, on this new album, it's almost like there's multiple songs within a song, and not that yeah. they're not all, you know, not that the songs don't stay, don't, don't make sense or don't stay within a theme, if you will, but there's just so many parts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's I mean, just crazy. Some of them are six seven i mean seven's kind of the, the running theme throughout the album um, mm -hmm. yeah i mean in, some of them don't even repeat like they just kind of like build to a specific moment and you don't ever hear that moment again like it's, it's just for that moment that you hear that build like that's it like and those build right. are so satisfying like so ridiculous good like, 
and it's creepy because yeah. that's that's what makes me think that the melodies that are used that are similar to previous songs are developed as companion songs because the melodies the other melodies and parts of the rest of the song are so intricate and so different that it's not like they just wasted time you know oh we'll just kind of write this song and then we'll just recycle it for three minutes and create a bridge and a chorus and then we're good you know it's like right infinite not infinite but there's a vast amount of complexity that goes into the rest of the song that it's right it has to be intentional that they reuse these melodies or used melodies very similar to it with some with lyrics that are companion lyrics to you know previous songs that are used for a reason you know yep and i think if that is actually true that it's fucking badass yeah i mean if you're a tool fan obviously you should be listening to the new album uh and if you're honestly just a a music fan (laughs) you should be listening to the new album because it is excellent from uh, from front to back, I have literally zero complaints with it. I only yep. continue to find it to be better and better the more and more I listen. Yeah, so. totally. Uh, well, thank you so much for for stopping by the pod today, Mish. Yeah, no uh, I'm gonna go grab some food or something, but uh, no, yeah, brother. appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Alright guys, well that is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you again so much for for listening and thank you very much Misha for joining and as always, thank you Misha for uh, providing the music for the show. Hope you guys have a great week. Stay up. (laughs) 